Good morning, North Church. Thank you so much for joining us today. My name is Ryan, and we are absolutely thrilled that you are here with us today. In just a moment, the North Church band is going to come out and lead us in a few songs, and then we're going to receive a message from one of the Bible teachers that's going to help us grow deeper in our relationship with the Lord and challenge us to take those next steps towards Christ. If you have any questions about what's going on here at the church, visit us online at northchurch.net, scroll to the bottom of the homepage, and click on eBulletin, and there you can see all the things happening throughout the life of our church. If after service today you have any questions, go ahead and stop by the Info Center in the lobby. Their happy volunteers would be more than happy to answer any questions you have about what's going on here in the church. And don't forget to check out the coffee bar. There we have hot drinks and cold drinks and a variety of pastries for you to enjoy, and it's all supported by your generosity. Well, here at the church, we have a huge passion for helping people connect in healthy and growing relationships. And if you're new here today, we would like to invite you to a brief five-minute meeting right after service called First Connect. There, you get the opportunity to connect with one of the pastors on staff and learn all about the things happening throughout the life of our church. Well, here at the church, we have a huge priority of investing into the next generation. And we believe that it's our responsibility to hand off this church to them better than we got it ourselves. And camp is a huge way that that happens here at North Church. All of our summer camps are coming up for students all the way from third grade through high school. And this is not something that you want to miss, especially parents. This is something for you to pay attention to. Our high school camp called Collide is currently full, but getting on the wait list is something that's still possible. And it's important to get on that list sooner than later if you haven't had the chance to register yet for Collide. There's still some openings left for the middle school camps and for the elementary camp called Transform. And if you have any questions, we want to answer them for you. So we'll see you right after service. Well, parents, we are in our second week here at Move Up Month in North Kids in the lower level, and this is a super exciting time for the kids here at the church where they're experiencing a refresh in their classroom. With new kids coming in and the older guard moving on to a bigger classroom as a lot of changes taking place, and we have tools for you that we want to make sure that you know about. And one of them is called Parent Q. And so right after service today, when you're picking up your kiddo from the majority of the classrooms, you'll be able to receive a little handout that shows you the lessons that we're teaching every single Sunday in the rooms and giving you some tools to connect with your kiddo on the drive home today or at the dinner table tonight or at prayer time or even games throughout the week of how you can remain becoming the main discipler in your kid's life. Those are all the announcements that we have for you today. And if after service you are in need of prayer, please step forward. Members of our church, members of our prayer team would love the opportunity to agree with you in prayer. Also, right now, check in to North Church on Facebook. Every three check-ins right now helps provide an item for the World Relief Welcome Basket to help refugees coming into Spokane settle in and have some of those essential items upon arrival. Well, that's all. Let's go ahead and stand up. We're going to sing.
Hey, well, good morning. Welcome to North Church. Glad that you are here with us. One thing we really value here is that people would get connected and growing in meaningful relationships. So, hey, if you are new here or you're newer, I would love to meet you directly after the service underneath this monitor for our first connect, uh, just to talk about how you could get further connected here at our church. But why don't you go ahead and turn and greet and welcome the people around you this morning right now. Hey again, welcome, glad that you're here. Hey, do we have any uh, high school or college grads uh, in the room right now? Show of hands, any? We got, we got a few down here, the Weavers, yeah. Ryan, back there, sweet. You over here, hey, we just wanna give you guys a congratulations. Way to go, you did it. You made it this far. Um, just from North Church to you, whoever you are, just uh, excited for you, for God's plans for you into the future, whatever you're walking into, furthering your education, or walking into a vocation, or uh, living with your parents, whatever it looks like, right? We're just glad that God has brought you here and what he's going to continue to do in your life. Hey, just a few quick announcements for you. We have a couple fundraisers for students uh, trying to raise money to go to camp this summer. So we have one this coming Saturday. For you parents, uh, we're going to be hosting a babysitting fundraiser. So you drop your kids off. We babysit. All donations go to students trying to raise money for camp. You get to go have a fun night, uh, go on a date. Um, So that's this Saturday. Uh, You can uh, sign up with me or with Kenny, and we'll get your name down on the list. Also, directly after this service, we have a barbecue uh, over at the greenhouse uh, trying to raise money for camp as well. Come enjoy hot dogs, some iced teas, and kind of hang out for a little bit. Other than that, why don't you go ahead and stand. We're going to pray, and then we're going to continue to sing together. Hey, let's pray for our grad students in the room right now. God, we just thank you so much for who you are and what you do. God, thank you for the students who have put in effort and work to make it this far. God, we pray that you would bless them as they continue to walk uh, into uh, a new direction in life or uh, whatever plans uh, they have. God, we pray that you bless those. You'd you'd, uh, uh, help them get connected in new areas and new relationships, new friendships, and you protect them, God. Lord, we love you and we thank you for all you do and pray this in your name. Amen. Hey, let's continue to sing together.
thank God right where you're at in your own words just give him praise and give him thanks God we worship you God we thank you God we it's hard to believe to the extent that you went to come to this earth to die on a cross out of your love for us your love for me thank you Jesus for coming thank you Jesus for returning to heaven and sending back the Holy Spirit to live in us, to abide in us, to work through us, that we'd never be left alone, that we would always have your presence with us. It's amazing. And we worship you and we thank you in the name of Jesus. Thank you, God. Amen. Have a th Please feel free to have a seat. We're gonna pray right now and spend a little time praying. And you know, earlier we had uh, prayed for our students that were graduating. And now I'd like to ask that we pray for those who helped them get there. Um, let's pray, pray for our teachers and professors, administrators, coaches. Let's pray for those that have served and given and throughout not just this school year, but years and years. And no matter what grade your kid or grandkid might be in, uh, would you pray for their teacher uh, pray for someone else maybe that the Lord puts on your heart that, that invests in kids and youth, students, college students. Let's pray as a church family and bless those as they look out 
to the end of a long uh, year and season and, and then looking forward for renewal, restoration, and kind of the vision that they need going forward. Let's pray for them. God, we lift up all of the educators, all of those that pour in to these kids, to these students. And uh, Lord, the sacrifices they make, the patience they need, the love they give, the, the way they prepare minds and hearts. Lord, we pray, would you bless them, fill them back up, Lord, where they've been depleted and give them fresh vision for their vocation and for the impact that they're making. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, we're going to receive our tithes and offering right now. And uh, we're, we're talking about worship uh, some today. And one of the ways we worship God is in the most practical of all ways, which is in the area of giving of our resource. And uh, the things that we give to are the things that we value. And so every time we have this opportunity to give, it's not just about keeping the lights on or even just doing ministry in the community. It's also, and very, maybe at the top of the list, it's about worshiping God. And so saying, Lord, you gave whatever I have. You're the one who gave me the talent or the energy or the strength or the job, the income, the source. And Lord, I want to give you back a portion of that as part of my worship. So let's do that this morning. Ushers, you can come. If you're visiting, don't feel any obligation to give. We're just glad that you're here today hanging out with us. We're looking at uh, something called the Ten commandments the ten commandments now i don't know about you but when i think about anything on the ten commandments i uh i don't know my first reaction isn't like total excitement um because we're, we've labeled this the good life and um and i don't know about you but when i think of commandments my mind doesn't automatically go to the good life it might go to something more like the restrictive life the boring life the difficult life uh, the life of trying to keep God happy, whoever he is, wherever he is. And that's not at all what it is. There is a good life behind commandments because God gave us this thing called the Decalogue, those 10 commandments given originally to the children of Israel as they came out of Egypt. They're starting a whole new venture, becoming a nation, a people. And God wanted them to to know how to do relationship well. He wanted the society to be one of peace and one of prosperity. He wanted there to be health in our families and he wanted us to get our priorities right in life. And so he gave us these tender commandments in order to live our lives by so that we could enjoy a good life. And that's what we're talking about. If you missed last week, Scott uh, opened up the series kind of giving us the intent behind why the Ten Commandments. Super good. If you didn't listen to it, go back and listen to it to give you context. But we're looking today, starting in Exodus chapter 20, if you have a Bible, open it up there. And we're going to start with the second commandment today. Last week we looked at the first one. Here's how it goes. Starting in verse 4, Exodus chapter 20. 
You must not make for yourself an idol of any kind or an image of anything in the heavens or on the earth or in the sea. You must not bow down to them or worship them, for I, the Lord your God, am a jealous God who will not tolerate your affection for any other gods. And good morning to you. <laughs> Simply stated, what, what this commandment is saying is don't make idols of any kind and don't worship them. Don't worship anybody else except for God. Now, the most common of all sin, as you look in the Old Testament, even in the New, as you kind of look through, it's idol worship. It's idolatry. And so we look at that today and we're like, I don't even, not sure I understand what that is. And idolatry is more than a pagan issue. It's more than a Old Testament issue, more than, more than a Jewish issue. This is a human issue. An idol is not just a 12-inch tall piece of wood or bronze or metal that you pray to. An idol is anything trying to compete with your love for God. Anything. John Calvin said our heart is an idol factory. And uh, it's so true that given just left to ourself, we seek something to worship other than God to make most important in our life. Idols come easy, but they're hard to get rid of. What's the point God is making when he says, don't have any other idols before me. Don't let any other love compete with my love and don't idolize anything. Let me illustrate it to you this way. I love my wife, Tisa. We've been married almost 32 years. And, uh, and my love for her today is even greater than it was the day we got married. So let me ask you, how do you think she would like it if she picked up my phone and on the screensaver where her photo is, there was the photo of maybe another person, another attractive female. How do you think she would react to that? Do you think she would shrug her shoulders and say, oh, that's a cute gal, you know? <laughs> Mike has his right to do whatever he wants. You know, I'm glad I fit in there somewhere. Or do you think she would walk into the bathroom where I'm shaving and take the razor? <laughs> I don't know. Who is this and why is this person now on your screensaver? Now, how do you think she would feel? I mean, if she learned there was this ongoing relationship, would she be understanding, oh, I know you have needs and affection and, you know, encouragement and so forth and... No, it would bother her, and it would make sense that it would bother her, right? I mean, it's a no-brainer. You wouldn't blame her if she took my phone, threw it in the toilet, flushed it, because we're, we're, we're to have a covenant together. We're to be committed to one another, and I'm not to share my love with another. No, I shouldn't be devoted, try and be devoted to two, right? Tisa has every right to expect that. And here's the good news. I value my life, number one. Number two is I love my wife, and I have no intention of doing that. But the deal is, is that it's very similar with our relationship with God. God says this. It's as if he was saying, you know, I love you. I've redeemed you. I sent my son to die on a cross in your place. I've forgiven you. And I've called you into a covenant relationship. I've called you because I love you and I want to do life with you and I want you to understand that. And so don't cheat on me. Don't go after any other lesser lover because I don't share that kind of love with any other God. Does that sound too restrictive? Does that sound unreasonable of God to say that he wants that one and only relationship? He's saying, don't put any other photo in your wallet alongside mine. Don't carry other images in your heart. Don't turn to any false gods for comfort, stimulation, or heart satisfaction. He said, I am here, and I'm able to meet every need. So what is an idol? An idol is anything 
that takes our focus away from God and puts it onto something else. Anything that's trying to compete in value with God, to become first place, God, God wants us to have no other idols of the heart. What does it mean? Well, it's valuing something or somebody else more than God. Now, in Bible times, there were three primary idols that we read about repeatedly in the Old Testament and in the New. Uh, Baal, who was the god of sex. Mammon, who was the god of money. And Molech, who was the god of violence. Now, we, we tend to think, you know, that was ancient. That was a long time ago. These people weren't as smart as we are today. <laughs> We're sophisticated. We've grown up. We're wiser. We don't do that. You know, they had these little idols, and they worshiped that, those gods that represented those things. But do you think as you look at our culture today, you know anyone still valuing, worshiping, so to speak, sex and making that the number one kind of thing in their life or money or violence and sure we've gotten rid of the metal images but we still have the mental images that we pursue we've sophisticated it no longer do we need a little statue you know on our shelf because we've got a 65 inch screen on our wall that pipes in and feeds us all of these images on a regular basis. And then we've upgraded to technology, airwaves, and online. The reality is, is that idol worship still exists today. It still tries to compete with our love for God. It still gets in the way of our relationship with a Heavenly Father that wants us to have a singleness of heart and devotion. And it's tough as a parent, isn't it, living with kids in a society where you're trying to teach them one set of values and the culture is teaching them something totally different, telling them that, the, that sensuality, that's where it's at, that, that money and success and having all the right stuff, that's where it's at. And, and when things don't work out for them to turn to some form of either minor or major violence. In Deuteronomy chapter 4, God said, For your own good, don't sin by making an idol in any form at all. For your own good, don't do it. Why? Well, number one, idols disappoint. They always promise more than what they can deliver. Jeremiah 10, Jeremiah said, Those who made idols or disillusioned because the, God, the gods they made are false and lifeless. In other words, they promise you something they cannot deliver on. And we live in a culture that's constantly promising us something. If we'll go that direction, if we'll buy that product, wear those clothes, use that toothpaste, drink that beer, whatever it is, that that's where the high life is going to come from. But it's a cheap imitation of the God and the only God who can meet our needs. They promise big re rewards, but they always disappoint. Anytime I put my trust in anything or anybody and make it above God, well, at that juncture, it becomes idolatry. Idols disappoint. That's why, you know, when you think about the movie Tom Cruise start in with that famous romantic line where he said, you complete me. <laughs> and she said, oh, you had me at hello. I'm sorry, nobody can complete you but God. No other human being. Matter of fact, if you're married and you look to your spouse to complete you, you will be sorely disappointed, Right? Because it doesn't work that way. Human beings don't complete you. God reserved that for himself. Idols not only di disappoint, but they'll dominate you over time. 1 Corinthians 12, 2 says, Before you knew Christ, before you knew him, you were controlled by dead idols. 
who always led you astray. And if you look, controlled is a key word, and led astray, that's what idolatry does, is that it will end up controlling you, it will end up leading you astray. And, and so Paul's saying, no, that was before you knew Christ, you shouldn't still be there. When I think of the word addiction, I think of the word idolatry because it controls you. Anything that we turn to, that we turn to to meet our needs, meet our pain, kind of fill our boredom, those things can become controlling agents in our life. I know. I look back and I look back with regret over some of the things that became so important in my life that it grew into an addiction and really what the scripture would call it, they didn't use the word addiction back then, but idolatry. Whether it's porn or addiction to drugs, violence, anything. But you know what? Idolatry can also show up in ways that are innocuous and in ways that just seem good and seem right. And they can, it leads you astray. We lose our perspective whenever anybody or anything becomes more important than God. Maybe some of you guys have been in that situation where there was a job promotion at stake and you just had to work longer and work harder. But if you did, you know, there was the, 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 the pot of gold at the end of the rainbow and you just found yourself not just for a few months, but it turned into a few years. You end up looking back and go, man, I missed some of the most important years of my kids' lives because it can dominate you. Even when we didn't want it to, we didn't realize it. You've heard of the word codependency, where we trust in another person. We put too much dependency on another person. And what happens is that even people can become idols in our life. And the way to get rid of that is by putting God first in your life. I remember the first time my sister did that with a boyfriend she had when she was in high school and just clicked. Yeah, my boyfriend has become too important to me. I need to put God first. And she did. And then she kind of made the mistake of going and announcing it to him. And <laughs> she said, you're no longer first in my life. God is. And uh, oh, he was crushed and hurt and he didn't understand why and, you know, threw a little fit. And yeah, if you put God first in your life over a relationship, your boyfriend or girlfriend might throw a little fit. They may not understand it. You might be called a religious freak. But the question is, who's God? Who will you worship in your life? God says, have no other idols. Don't worship anything else. Don't put anybody else above me. See, idols will ultimately deform you. Psalm 115.8 says, Those who make idols become like them, and so will those who trust in them. We become like that in which we worship. We become like that. We don't maybe intend for that, but that's the pathway that it goes. And we end up misshapen from the identity God wants us to have. And so we keep that spot reserved for God. Let me illustrate it from the New Testament. You remember there was this very rich, well-to-do young man, young, successful, professional, came to Jesus and he said, Jesus, you know, um, I'm kind of at this place now where I've worked hard, I have a lot of money, and I'm ready to really start thinking about God now. And so what do I need to do to inherit eternal life? And Jesus didn't think very long, and he said, go sell everything you have. Give it to the poor and come follow me. Now, it's interesting that no other time in the Bible did Jesus say that to anybody else because having money is not the problem. It's when money has you. It's when money becomes an idol in our life. Money or success or fame or uh, even, you know, kind of the amount we need to stockpile for the future, whatever it is. And so Jesus goes right to the heart of this young man's issue. And he says, I want to free you from that. I want to free you from your idolatry. Go ahead and just sell it all, give it to the poor, and come and follow me. And you know the end of the story, unfortunately, is the man went away sad. He went away forlorn. He didn't do what Jesus asked. 
Now, if Jesus was to uh, speak to you, speak to me this morning, and ask that question, what is the idol in your life? What is it? Because it's different for each one of us. And no one can tell you what it is. I mean, it's something you have to. You have to be honest before God and say, what is that? What do you need to give up? What is it that you're holding on to that's keeping you from being all that God wants you to be? Holding you back from entering into the, the covenant relationship, the deep relationship that God wants with you. I don't want to let go of that relationship. I know it's not right. I know it's unhealthy. I know it's probably sin. I just don't want to let go of it. I need that person. Might have a problem. I know this habit's probably destroying me. I know that it's kind of a little out of control, but anytime I want to, I can get it back under control. No, you can't. It's an idol. It's, see, if God tells you to let something go, then you let it go because you don't own it, it owns you. Even good things can become idolatrous in our life. I think of my brother Chris, great, uh, great musician. We, we kind of came to faith in Christ around the same time in our early 20s. We were roommates together, and uh, we were just spurring each other on in our faith, and just both pretty new. And, and Chris had played the guitar since he was 13, loved electric guitar, just shredding metal. He had every pedal you could buy, the best amps stacked. Back then they were in big stacks. And, 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 and God spoke to his heart and said, I want you to sell it all and give it away. Sell it or sell it all and get rid of it. And I remember Chris telling me that. And I'm going, what? Why? It's good. I mean, we gave up bad stuff that was killing us. That's not killing anyone. That's a good thing. Music. And, and, and he said, no one's making me do this. No one's guilting me. To do it's just something I feel like the Holy Spirit has touched on my heart and said, this has become idolatrous and I want you to let it go. And so he sold everything, every single thing, every guitar he owned. And you got to understand, if you're not a guitarist, I mean, these like become babies to, to these musicians. And, 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 and he let them all go. And about a year later, um, God just said, uh, go buy one and start just playing music I show you to play. And, and that was his pathway. And so God restored music to him. He played, he taught his kids to play. His wife is amazing. They're just an amazing musical family. He's produced multiple albums and put a lot of great worship music out there. And I just love that. That he's willing to do whatever it takes to get rid of whatever's in the way in order for him to serve God. I have another friend who said, you know, for too long, Mike, I, I prided myself on family first, family first. But he said, I, I realized that in making family first, I ended up inadvertently making God second. He said, I spent too much time on the sports field than I, than, than I should have, never really went to church. I gave my kids every available dime, never had any left to give to anyone else. I was so busy that they never saw me reading the Bible, praying, um, helping in a ministry, even though I believed in God. And now my kids are grown, they're gone, and they don't really care at all about Jesus. Parents, how many of you know that even something as amazing and wonderful as kids can become, they can become like little idols if you let that happen? We live in a child-centered culture today. And sure, you look back a couple generations and it was the opposite. It, was, it, was, it wasn't all great. I mean, yeah, the work ethic maybe was there, but man, I mean, kids were kind of, they should be uh, not seen, not heard, you know, just kind of, it was a little out of balance. But today we've swung the pendulum to the other side to where now it's all about the kids. The kids are the center of the universe. And here's the deal. Our kids have to learn how to be servants of society and servants in ministry. Our kids have to learn how to be generous givers, that they, they, they learn to be worshipers of God and to be those that respect authority, that life does not revolve around them. And where are they going to learn that from if they don't learn it from you and me? That's where they learn it from. And so we've got to keep our heart in check 
about what we're doing. Uh, and even though it feels like the right motive and it sounds like the right thing, see, even our family or our spouse or relationship, even our children can become more important to us than, than God himself. And one of the things I love about so many of the youth in this church, um, as, as I've uh, observed and gotten to know a bunch of you, is how amazing you guys are, that you excel in sports and in, in school and academics. You have some great friendships and you've kept God first in your life. You continue to go to youth or uh, come to church and just you serve and it's just amazing and encouraging to my heart to see that because God has a great life for you. He doesn't want to take away all our fun. It's not like any of those things are wrong. It's just he's wanting things in right perspective and right order where he stays at the top, worshiping God alone. That's what he says. Worship me alone. Give me the highest love, the highest devotion. Why? Because he's given that to you. He's given that to me. Don't put your career, don't put anything else before God. Why? How do you get a good life by putting God first and worshiping him and not having any other competing kind of loves in your life? How do you do that? And what, what's the benefit in that? Well, let me give you a couple. First, it fulfills you. When you worship God alone, you put away every other idol, it fulfills you. Psalm 37, 4 says, Delight yourself in the Lord, and he will give you the desires of your heart. Isn't that what you want? Isn't that what I want? I want the desires of my heart. I have all these things I care about and want. And God's saying, yeah, delight yourself in me. Put me first. And I'll work out all those things because what will happen, what I've found happens is that some of the desires I wanted earlier in life, he changed. They weren't even the right desires to want. And God just changed them. And so I began to want some of the things he wanted. And, and some of the things I did want, he did because they were good. But God brings about blessing. I look back on my life and I have blessings today I do not deserve, I did not earn. If anything, I deserve the opposite. And yet God has brought about desires and blessing. Awesome, I love that. And he says, just put me first, worship me alone because he'll do something powerful in you. Worship also frees you. You see, idolatry puts you in bondage. Idolatry ends up controlling you. Worship of God frees you. It's the exact opposite. There's this freedom. Jesus said, if you obey my teachings, you'll know the truth and the truth will set you free. He wants to bring you freedom today, friend. No matter where it is you're struggling, whatever it is that you have that has kind of tried to exercise dominance over you, he wants to free you. And he frees us when we live before an audience of one. One of the areas of idolatry that I've uh, struggled with in my adult life is the opinions of others, wanting to keep everybody happy, wanting to please people. See, anything can become idolatrous. People can. People's opinions can. And one of the things that I have to keep turning back to God and say, Lord, I want to live before an audience of one, that if I, if I just live for you, God, it doesn't matter what anybody else thinks. It's so much easier to live life that way. Where is it that you struggle? Where is it that he wants to set you free? And then lastly, it changes us for the better. When we worship God alone and we put away all idols, there's this metamorphosis that goes on in you, in the way you think, the way you feel, the way you act. There's this change. It's a good change. As the Spirit of the Lord works within us, we become more and more like Him and reflect His glory even more. That's what I want. I want to become more and more like God. I don't want to just be left to myself because who knows where that'll go. I mean, probably somewhere pretty negative. But when we worship God, remember we said that you become like what you worship. When you worship God and you put Jesus at the, at the front, we become like him. We become more and more like him. Because Jesus is the visible image of the invisible God. 
And it's simple. Look at Jesus. Look at the cross. Look at what he's done for you. Put away every lesser lover and let God become the one who is an endless wellspring of living water flowing in you and through you. Jesus is the way, the truth, and the life. Let me just sum everything up because uh, we've, we've looked at commandment one last week. We're looking at uh, the second commandment uh, of the Decalogue today. And, and they looked really similar. You know, worship God, have no other gods before me is commandment number one. And, and the one we're looking at today is, you know, don't have any idols, right? What's the difference? Let me paint the picture this way, that, that commandment one, where we worship God alone, is the relationship he calls you into. He calls us into a relationship that's a covenant. It's like a marriage where you marry Christ. He, he invites you into this relationship that's based on covenant commitment. That's like commandment one. That's why we worship God. He's saying, man, you gotta, you gotta enter into the covenant first. You gotta enter into the commitment first. You gotta let me love you first. And then commandment two is now be faithful. Be faithful to the covenant. Be faithful. Don't cheat on me, God says. Don't try and have multiple lovers. Just love me alone. Be faithful to the covenant. And that's commandment one and commandment two, and that's good for life. That's blessing. That's where God wants to bring us. Because idols dominate you. They deform you. They disappoint you. And yet God says, I'll never leave you. I'll never forsake you. And my love for you never runs dry. I want you to know me, God says. I want you to enter into a relationship. I'm a jealous God. That's what Exodus 34 says. It says, you must worship no other gods for the Lord, whose very name is Jealous, is a God who is jealous about his relationship with you. You know what that tells me? He's passionate. He has emotion. He has conviction. He has feeling when he thinks about you. So he calls you and me into that kind of relationship. Do you want that? I want that. Let's pray together. God, we just want to come to you this morning and we want that relationship with you, God, that you're passionate. You're not far away and, and, and apathetic. You're a jealous God that wants a relationship with your creation, with me. And God wants that with you. And he's knocking on the door of your heart today. Will you open the door and let him in? Will you make that covenant commitment to him to let him be the one and only in your life that everything else will flow out from that? If that's you, I want to just invite you to pray this prayer along with me. Jesus, I open my heart to you. God, I want to know you. God, would you come into my life and Fill me, forgive me, and show me now what it means to walk in a committed relationship with you. Lord, you know the healing I still need in my soul, the areas of freedom that I still need. And I'm surrendering all of that to you today. I want to know you, I want to walk with you. And earlier today I asked, um, if God was to say what idol needs to be put aside, it's competing for your affection, for your love, for your attention. What is that for you? Would you right now in this moment turn away from that? Just give that to God. Nobody can tell you what that is but you. And would you bring that thing that threatens to be idolatrous in your own life and just bring it to God? whether it's a bad thing or a good thing. Let's just do that right now. God, I give you this. Lord, you, you know I struggle with it. And I'm just giving it to you, Lord. And I'm turning away from anything, anybody that would try to 
kind of keep themselves in first place or anything that would try to dominate and exercise control over me, God, or any false value that I've adopted unintentionally. Lord, I'm turning away from that this morning, and I'm turning to you, God. I want to be faithful in my love for you, faithful in my commitment. I don't want to be a fan. I want to be a follower. So, Jesus, I commit that to you today. I'm turning back to you today. We pray this in Christ's name. Amen. Well, we have um, something really fun to do right now. I'm going to ask uh, Glendy and uh, John and their boys and Tisa to come up here. Um, this is the Loringer family, Glendy and John. I'm reading at them. And they uh, have been in our church a long time, and they're staying in our church. That's nice. And, uh, but God has, uh, Glendy's one of our pastors, and she's been on our staff about 12 years and been a pastor for a long time. I, I didn't have the exact amount of years, but a lot of years. And, um, and uh, she's taken a new role. God has called her to become the executive director of Life Services, another great ministry in our, in our community. And so we are thanking her today. We're not sending her out, we're thanking her today for her years of service and their family because um, like when I think of Reed and Adam, uh, they're stellar models of example of kind of what I was talking about. They're just servants. They care for people, they serve, uh, they, you know, they excel in lots of different areas. They're fun people, but they all kept God first in their lives and in their hearts and man, thank you for that. It just blesses my heart and so inspiring to see and uh, John John is a great friend and we've done a mission trip together to Africa with Tisa and John and I and some others and and uh, and uh, John it takes a lot of uh, sacrifice for any spouse male or female to serve alongside of someone called into ministry in a, in a local church like this because I don't know if you know but we do more than drink coffee and read the Bible uh, I know it looks that way but um, Glendy just does an enormous amount of things for lots of different people and has all along the way. And so thank you, John, for the way that you have served in that way. And Glendy, you're just a stellar leader. You have cared for so many people. You have pastored well. The times that she spoke. <laughs> the times that she has uh, taught the scripture and spoke. I mean, she's ministered to so many of us in deep levels, and maybe even for some of you, it's changed your opinion of what it looks like to be a female pastor. I am proud of her. She is a great pastor, and uh, I'm honored to serve with her. All right, so let me give you a couple things. First of all, as a thank you from our church to you guys behind you, is this bench. And I know you like benches, Glendy. Um, I know you like benches. And there's, uh, this took like a, a whole f team of people to put this together um, because we had certain people that went and got it. And uh, it's a reclaimed piece of multiple different kinds of pieces of wood with different furniture, furniture that they took it from to put it together. And then uh, carved in there is that passage that is from Psalm 23, he restores my soul. And uh, it is, it's a beautiful bench that came with a lot of love from uh, multiple different people, and really on behalf of our whole church to you. And I, I, she has a property that she has a vision for benches everywhere. <laughs> and uh, I don't know, it's like the bench place. And so I don't know if you're gonna get to sit in that bench much with your new role, but John will and the kids will. And so. <laughs> Take, yeah, just take photos of it and email them to her. Yeah. It's a beautiful bench. And then this is beautiful too, Coldstone. Uh, this time you guys get to keep these and hold on to these, $30 each. And uh, take your parents out once. Just once, yeah. A single dip, yeah. And uh, 
And then on Thursday, we had a staff lunch for, in Glendy's honor and had a chance to really affirm her in a personal way. And so for that, we had a lunch, which was those of you who were at the Multiply Leadership Gathering. It was the leftovers that we froze. <laughs> and so I felt like we needed to do better than that. And so there's, this is a clink and daggers uh, certificate for you and John to be able to have a, a great time. And could you thank, thank her again for us? Lord, thank you for Glendy. Yes. Let's pray for her. God, we thank you for this family. Thank you for Reed and Adam, for John, for Glendy. God, and the call that you have on their life. And it's just transitioning. The call is the same. It's just gonna uh, be expressed in a new way. Lord, we pray, bless them. Fill them, Holy Spirit. Thank you for each one and the calling you have on each one in this family and the way that they serve and care for our community and help people and heal people. And Lord, uh, just the wonderful things ahead for them. Lord, we pray, bless them. We commission them out, Lord, to do this ministry on behalf of this church family, Lord, to continue to be a missional family and a missional person in our community. Lord, that the name of Jesus would be famous. We pray. Thank you. Thank you, God, for the wonderful, amazing contribution that Glendy's made uh, over the past 12 years and will continue to make in the future, Lord. We just thank you in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Thank you again. Thank you, church. Hey, if you're newer to the church, uh, Nathan, Pastor Nate will be over there. There's prayer over here if you need some prayer. Otherwise, have a great, great day today. Feel free to thank these guys in person.